1: Hi, everybody. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. We are starting a new topic. We just finished 13 weeks on the 24th chapter, the book of Matthew. I hope you enjoyed that very prophetic chapter. And we tried to give you some insight on it, tried to help you. It's not anything to fear. It's just Jesus talking to the Jewish Christian disciples at his day and explaining to them, answering their questions when he was returning and what that looked like. Really fascinating stuff. So we're going to do a new topic. We're calling it deception. I think that's one of the greatest problems facing America, not just the church, but it's, it's nationwide deception. I mean, it's already operating in the world all the time. We get that. But now it's rampant in America. And I want to get into it. It's a very real problem that the church is facing. It's one that all America faces, actually, but one that the church should have victory over. And we're going to look at some verses. We're going to talk to you. Deception is everywhere. It's in the American pulpit. It is on every news station, in every political discussion. It is everywhere. And in the natural realm, the world, America, we're losing that battle because we are letting these lies go unchallenged. So Webster, he defines deception as the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. That leads astray or frustrates, usually by underhandedness, and implies imposing a false idea or belief that causes ignorance, bewilderment, or helplessness. So look at the world today, especially in America. You know, look at some of the things that we accept as true that we know aren't true. For instance, there are people today that believe the earth is flat. I mean, that just drives me up a wall. Good friends of mine, wise people, I thought, but they go around telling you that the world is flat I mean, you know, I have friends that were in the Navy. I have friends that were in the Merchant Marine. And all you got to do is get on a boat and you'll see the earth has a curvature to it. You can only see, I think it's, it might be seven miles. I'm not sure. Maybe less than that. But the reason you can't see further than that is because there's a slope in the surface of the earth. The Bible talks about the fact that the earth is a sphere. I mean, what more proof do you need? You look at an eclipse, and I was trying to get this right the other day. Let's see, it's when the earth passes between the sun and the moon. And you look up in the moon and you see, or maybe I've got that backwards, but you see a crescent shape. That's because it's not flat. And so you've got to, you know, you're allowed to use common sense as well as trust what the Bible has to say. There are people today that believe that God created people as homosexuals. I mean,. The God who hates sexual depravity, the God who has written that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, that they are an abomination, and then they go and they try to promote the fact that God made us this way. And I know where that comes from. Well, God is love. And he would be for a man loving a man or a woman loving a woman. And that's the argument they make. No, the argument one makes is based on the word of God. And the Bible says clearly that homosexual behavior is forbidden. It's in Deuteronomy. And it talks about the fact also that they will miss out on heaven in the book of Revelation. Some folks also believe that there's more than one way to get to God. We know that the Bible says Jesus is the only way. But if you ask Oprah, you ask other people on The View, you ask people uh, involved in the progressive, liberal arm of our political system, and they are promoting that. There's only one way. I'm sorry. It's been written in the Word of God. If you don't believe the Word of God, if you don't believe that, then you have an issue, and you need to get saved. But the Bible clearly states that, and these are absolutes in the Bible. The three examples I just gave, they can all be proven as false. The earth is not flat. There's only one way to Christ. And homosexuals are not created by God. I mean, it's so obvious. And yet we have to defend these. And the way you defend them is you challenge them as being true. You expose the wickedness behind them. And then you go to the Bible and you get truth out. That's the only way. But we don't challenge this stuff anymore. Why? Because we're deceived just as well. Deception can originate from many different sources, But at the end of the day, deception, it needs man's cooperation to be successful. The greatest danger is that deception creates a hardness in our hearts because in order to believe a lie, you have to deny the truth, right? If I were to believe a lie that the earth is flat, I would be denying the biblical truth that the earth is a sphere. So you cannot believe a lie without denying the truth. And what does that do? That creates a hard heart. Humans causing humans to accept as true what is false is an evil motive of which no good may come. So let's begin by asking a very simple question, but it's an important question. Where does deception take place? In one's heart or in one's mind or in both? Romans sixteen eighteen for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. So we see there it's written, Paul wrote in Romans, that people are deceived in their hearts. James 1, if any man among you seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Look at that, man deceiving his own heart. Heart. Once again though, we see that deception takes place in one's heart. Isaiah forty four twenty. He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. So the danger of having a deceived heart. We're gonna look at three Greek words for what deceive or deception really means. And in the Bible the Greek word is cardia, and we get our word cardio, cardiovascular, cardiac arrest. It's the heart that suffers or that allows the deception. It's the center of one's being. It includes the intellect or the mental aspect of God's creation, man. But it basically implies an emotional assault. Remember, the heart has its own thoughts as well. Hebrews talks about that. For the word of God is quick, it's sharp, it's powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, And the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Your heart thinks. Your heart has thoughts. Well, that's pretty obvious because we aren't told to guard or protect or to keep our minds, but we are told to renew our minds so as to conform to God's Word. But the real danger from deception is to the heart of man. And why is that? Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The deception assaults your heart because it is the lockbox to your soul. Remember, what is your soul? Man It's a three-part being, right? It's spirit, soul, and a body. And your soul is the seed of your intellect, your emotions, and your will. And yet that also is part of your heart because it belongs all in one. It's all wrapped up together, the soul of man. It resides in the heart of man, which is why Satan comes after the heart of man. That's where your heart is. That's his prize. Your mind is housed. Let's see, where is this? Your soul isn't housed in your mind, but your mind is housed in your soul. It is housed in your heart, and therefore, it's where the attack comes. One can lose one's mind and still be saved, but one cannot lose one's heart and hope to remain saved. Hence, the commandment, guard your heart with all Diligence, hallelujah! I remember uh, one of the preachers I used to listen to, Kenneth Hagin. He's passed along. People would ask him, "Well, what about people that Christians that commit suicide are they still saved?" And that's a tough question, right? For me, but he had such a wonderful answer. He says, "Well, you know, people that die of cancer, right? They die because they have a sick body. Do they go to hell? Do they lose their salvation because their body is sick? No. Well, what about people that have sick minds?" and commit suicide. Do they lose their salvation because they had a sick mind as opposed to a sick body? You know, that's a wonderful example, and I would tend to agree with him, that just because you have a sick mind and it causes you to do something irrational as opposed to a sick body, you know, I don't know that God sees a difference there. To me, you know, suicide would be something that could cost you salvation, but... I don't have any scripture for it, but I do love Brother Hagen's answer to it, and I like that, so I'm going to go with that. Hallelujah. So, Wiersbe, commentator Wiersbe, he wisely observes on the topic that the heart is the master control of the life, and I agree with that. A wrong heart always produces a wrong life, and I agree with that. To allow sin into the heart is to pollute one's entire life. Well, that's common sense. It's pretty good. The unexamined life is not worth living, said Socrates. The Lord is pondering, examining our lives, and we must examine them too. Live in God's Word, and He will protect your path, He will direct your path, and He will perfect your path for the glory of Jesus Christ. So, basically, there's three basic New Testament words used to describe the different depths of deception. Looking up the Greek word for deceive produces these three results. Number one. Planeo, P-L-A-N-A-O, Planeo, and it means something fraudulent that causes one to roam from their place of safety, to wander or to go astray, to leave the truth. Now, that's deception. That's pretty heavy duty. That's strong right there. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Wow. People are actually lying in wait to deceive you. That's nasty. That is really dangerous. They are waiting for you. That's the goal of their day, to deceive you. Family, there are people who are lying in wait, just waiting to deceive you, to lie to you, to move you away from your place of safety, to get you to walk away from the truth. They desire your soul for Satan, and they look like you, and they talk like you, and they bear the name of Jesus also. Corinthians says that they are ministers of Satan parading around as servants of righteousness, but in reality, they are serving Satan. They plan to remove you from the place of safety. I can't believe that. There's people in this earth that actually are out to take me out of my salvation, take me away from the place of safety, remove me from being in Christ. Yes. And here's a problem. They're in our churches. They're in our pulpits. You know, it's like having a corrupt police officer. You know, I grew up trusting teachers and police officers. I don't think we ever trusted lawyers or politicians, (laughs) but we were taught to uh, trust and respect your teachers and your police officers and your pastors. And they just don't grab you up and take you and remove you forcibly from place A to place B. They cause you to roam away from safety of your own free will. Basically, today we're moored as a ship is moored to the dock. We are moored to Christ. These guys, they don't just haul you away captive. They loosen the slip knot where the boat is tethered. And get this, so important. The phraseology here is perfect. I love it. Through every wind of doctrine, the natural winds will blow you away from your place of safety. They use false doctrines to do it. You literally will be carried away and your ride will be deception. And you may not even notice it. 2 Corinthians 11, 14, and 15, talking about Satan and how he uses men in the pulpit. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Let me make this key point right here so important, so important. You are to trust no man when it comes to the word. If there is contrast between man and the Word, man must take a back seat. I trust no man. I am trusting the Word of God. I learn the Word of God, and I judge everything. I judge every person. I judge every doctrine. I judge every sermon, every offering in light of what God's Word has to say. And you had better find a way to do that, and you had better become expert at it. The second Greek word for deceit or deception is apateo. It means to cheat you and to delude you. Ephesians 5, 6, here's where that word is used. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And we're going to talk about what those things are. The wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. What are these things? Verses 3, 4, and 5 talk about it. But I want to make a point first. Apateo, it means to cheat you and delude you. But notice the verse in uh, Ephesians 5. Let no man deceive you. I've spoken to you about the word let before on several occasions. There is no greater word that gives authority to man than let. If you want to know what your authority entails, go find every let in the Bible. And everything that comes after the word let is something God has given you power over. Did you catch that? If you see the word let, see what comes after it. Let no man deceive you. What does that mean? That means I have authority. I can either let man deceive me or I cannot let man deceive me. Do you see that? Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Let the word of God dwell richly in you in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let man Not think. I mean, anything that comes after let is something you have control over, something you have the power to do. And so, right here, let no man deceive you. Okay, follow this now. I have the power whether to let someone deceive me or not deceive me. Is that right? Did we just read that? Let no man deceive you. That's a command from Paul in representation of Jesus Christ. Let no man deceive you. Therefore, if you are deceived, you have allowed it. You don't get deceived by accident. I'm sorry. You choose to be deceived by believing lies. Let me connect that. The more words you know, the less you will be deceived. Amen. I know that the world is round through history, through studying geologies, through studying what the explorers found when they came over here, through listening to astronomers talk about it. Science has revealed and confirmed what the Bible says. The earth is a sphere. I will not let anybody tell me the earth is flat. Basically, I'm going to use the scripture. Let no man deceive me. So once again, if you are deceived, it's because you have allowed it. And these things come at the wrath of God because of these things. What things? Fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Is that a misprint? Is the Bible in error there? No. Fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness. Let, let. Let, what does that mean? Let, whatever comes after let is something I have power over, something I have authority over, something I have the ability to either do or not do. Fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Wow. It should never, pornography, adultery, fornication, sexual sin, should never be named once among you. Do you see the standard of God? Do you see that? If God says, I have the ability to not let these sins be named once among me, and I do, that's woeful disobedience on my part. I need to repent, and you can repent. You don't go to hell for that sin, but you will be penalized in some way on this earth. So you repent, and you get clean, and you start over again. But let not Number one, let no man deceive you. Number two, let it not be named once among you these sins, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Apateo it means to cheat you and to delude you. Phillips writes, for this much you can be certain, that neither the immoral, nor the dirty minded, nor the covetous man, which basically in effect is worshiping a false God. Covetousness is idolatry. If you covet the people that are taking your money on the pulpit, if they are deceiving you and their spirit is ruling them, it's a covetous spirit. They are worshiping a false God and that's idolatry. Money is their idol. Neither of those has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. And don't let anyone fool you at this point. However a plausible argument they make, however a great case they make using Scripture, it is these very things which bring down the wrath of God upon people who are disobedient. So going back to Apateo, it means to cheat you and delude you. What are they cheating you out of? Hmm? Your salvation, of course. There is no other prize for Satan than the soul of man. You know, and God and Satan, the same thing is going on. They are both after your soul. God, through love and grace and discipline and rebuke and chastisement and blessing, and Satan through wickedness and evil, through lying, through deception, through death and stealing, that's Satan, they take a different path, but they both want your soul. Don't ever forget that as wicked a creature as man is without God, he is nothing compared to the wickedness of Satan. Remember this, it's so important. every false doctrine. Every evil surmise, every wicked imagination comes from the heart of Satan. It originates in the heart of Satan. Man doesn't come up with these lies on his own. My former pastor saying that God isn't sovereign in the earth today. He didn't make that up. He didn't come up with that on his own. Satan put that in him. Basically, false doctrine has demonic roots. That's right. If you're preaching false doctrine, it is demon inspired. You need to repent and get away and get back in the word of God. Man doesn't come up with lies from himself. They originate from the father of lies. Every evil force of spirit that is battling against you is of demonic origin. Every teaching that contradicts the word of God has demonic roots behind it. Every false teacher or counterfeit prophet is inspired by Satan. There is no neutrality in mankind. Let me say that again. There is no neutrality in mankind. You got to serve somebody. Bob Dylan had it right. You are either going to serve God intentionally Or you will be serving Satan by default. There is no door number three. Every false teacher or counterfeit prophet inspired by Satan. Get that through your head. There is no neutrality. One is either intentionally with his or her own free will making a decision for Christ. Or by default, they are in bondage to Satan. In God's kingdom, there can be no neutrality. Passivity in the kingdom of God is not neutrality. May I remind you, it's surrender. To whom will you surrender your soul to? I mean, you're going to make that choice. You already have made that choice. My brother Rick used to say, why am I being condemned or sentenced or judged for the sin of Adam? Why haven't I been allowed to make my own choice? I said, you have been. And as of right now, you've rejected Christ because you have not surrendered to him. He doesn't see that. You know, that's what I mean. Because your default position will be serving Satan until you make an intentional decision to serve and know the Lord Jesus Christ. Webster, the 1828 version of Webster's Dictionary on delude, D-E-L-U-D-E, to deceive, to impose on, to lead from truth or into error, to mislead the mind of judgment, to beguile one. Cheat is generally applied to deception in bargains, such as in deceiving somebody in a business transaction, whereas delude refers to deception in the mind in an opinion about something. Webster says that one who deludes another preys upon the mind of the victim. And let's look at the mind for a minute and understand its role in the act of deception. First, what is the command in the Bible concerning our minds? Romans 12 two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are commanded by the word to renew our minds. Yes, from reprobate to righteous. Furthermore, Paul then describes for us the purpose and the character of this mind of Christ in the heart of the believer. 2 Corinthians ten four through 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This verse, and I'm going to have to finish this next week, but this verse introduces as a topic for discussion, and that's our spiritual warfare. It tells us three things, right? For the weapons of our warfare, what does that tell us? It tells us two things right there. Number one, we're in a war. Number two, we have weapons. And number three, our uh, weaponry is mighty. How mighty? To the pulling down of strongholds. So mighty, it can pull down spiritual strongholds, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. And then, of course, the next verse introduces us to one of those weapons, which is casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. What has Paul just described for us as a weapon the weapons of our warfare on our carnal. And then he describes them in verse five, casting down imaginations. Those are your thoughts. Every high thing, that's a thought that acknowledges itself in opposition to what's been written, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing under captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. I will start off with that scripture again. I really want to break it down. I've got a lot to say about it as far as deception is concerned, but I want you to take note. That's a 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, understand the standard for Christian believing. You ought to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. If I take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus, I will never be deceived, right? If I let no man deceive me, then I will never fall for the lies and I'll be true to the Word of God. I'll be wise. I'll be discerning. And I won't be one walking around with a deceived heart. Amen. We'll pick up next week. We love you. We thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this. I'm Ron Geyer and Time Insights.